Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bright Time. Uh, let me start by first apologizing for the two weeks since our last podcast was published. We had a little scheduling difficulty with our next guest, so um, a little more time than I would have preferred passed between this podcast and the last one. But uh, the good news is we're looking to get two or three out in the next week or so, so I think we're going to have a flurry of activity shortly, and we will get those published as soon as possible. In terms of statistics, we've um, passed 650 downloads so far, and we've had downloads in over 18 U.S. states plus the District of Columbia, and we have our second foreign listener in Germany. So to that person, I'd say, guten tag. Uh, And uh, again, it just continues to surprise me just how many people are downloading this uh, podcast beyond the immediate friends who I assumed would. So uh, I guess it's all to the good and Uh, Again, we're enjoying doing this, so we're going to keep doing it. So that brings me to our next guest, which is Tim, who was my college roommate for three years, I suppose, two in the dorm and one in our fraternity house. So obviously I've known Tim since I started college, and uh, as a result, naturally, a lot of the stories that we discussed during the podcast are centered around college. Uh, We just had so many of them. Uh, We really just had to narrow it down to some of the ones we really enjoyed recounting. So I suspect you're going to enjoy hearing from Tim. And without further ado, I bring you Tim. What does a man with a lot of interesting friends and some time in his hands do? He starts a podcast. Welcome to Brian Time, a sit-down with a different person from Brian's inner circle. So get ready. It's Brian Time. Hey, Tim. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here. You know, I've been a fan, oh my gosh, since February. A big fan. I've heard every podcast, and I'm very proud of you. I'm very happy to be here. Um, Did you have a favorite among the first six? Cousin Dave was definitely, I know he was the first, but he was my favorite. What what made you like Cousin Dave so much? I liked the stories he told. Um, I liked his attitude, and he clearly was, you know, unprepared for the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for the podcast, but yeah. it was great. It was great. He and was great. Dave was great. Lon was great too, but you know, Dave was my favorite. Dave stood out. Okay. Yeah. Here we are. Yes. And this is a big one because as I said in the intro, you were my college roommate for two years and then a third year we lived together in the fraternity house. And, you know, anytime you meet anybody and say, oh, that's my college roommate, there's people immediately understand that's a big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, we lived together in the same 12 by 12 room. <laughs> For two full years, and then another year in the fraternity house, basically next to each other. That's right. And, and we tried to move out our second year in the dorm, mm-hmm. but we couldn't find a place, so we just stayed another year, which I think was the greatest thing we did. That's right. I remember that now. We, we did. We were looking around. And I was looking. I was trying to be RA. Yes, you were. But, How'd that go? Uh, I, I failed. You know, come to think of a lot of elected or selected things you go for, you don't have a great track record. We'll get to some of that later on. But, you know, this, maybe there's something with your campaigning or you, where you present yourself. What, what do you think? Uh, I was doomed. I was doomed from the start. This is not a story I can tell on the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of which, by the way, um, for the audience, they should know that this podcast almost didn't happen because you had a list of conditions so long and so hardly negotiated that it's frankly a miracle that we're doing this. Well, you told me I could listen to it afterward and delete any scenes I don't like. Yeah, so in, ad- in addition to all the conditions you had, one of your, 
on that list was the condition of you could delete anything you don't like. Correct. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. But um, I thought that was interesting, and I, I was able to meet your conditions or you wouldn't be here, right? That is correct. And one of the conditions, and we can get into it without violating the condition, which is <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you don't want anyone to be able to find anything about you on the Internet. That's right. I believe in the right to be forgotten. I do not want anyone to be able to search my name and find anything about me. I don't do Facebook. I don't do Instagram, any of those things. I do nothing. Um, so, you know, I don't want I don't want to be found. That's right. And in <laughs> fact, after you told me that, which I never knew, even though we're good friends, I Googled you. And I'm not even gonna, we're not even going to use your one of the conditions is we can't use your last name on the podcast. <laughs> but, right. I, but I Googled you with your last name and literally nothing came up. Page after page of Google responses that had nothing to do with you. There is nothing about you out there. I, you know, that, that didn't just happen by accident. I, it was a lot of work. So, all right. So let's get the brief background about you. We have so many stories to hit. I don't want to waste a lot of time with the background where you grew up, but let's get, take the one, two minute, where you're from, where were you born, where, where did you grow up, all that good stuff. Okay. Um, I grew up in East Meadow, which is basically... Right in the middle of Nassau County. Uh, it's a pretty decent-sized town. Um, my childhood, as I remember, was a lot like the movie The Sandlot. We had a baseball field two blocks away from my house, and I was there pretty much every day playing baseball. If it wasn't baseball, it was football, it was something, you know, from nine years old to about maybe 15 years old, we were always out playing baseball, or football or hockey or something. So that was, that was basically my life until I was 16 and I got a job. And your neighborhood was largely Catholic, am I right? Yes. The, um, <laughs> the, the sandlot I'm talking about was actually um, the church, <laughs> the church um, fields, because there, there was a school there. It was a Catholic school um, that had you know, baseball fields in the background. It was two blocks from my house. So pretty much everybody in my vicinity was Catholic. And it didn't occur to me until I was in my 30s that they were Catholic because they lived near the church. And the, and the um, it wasn't the, an accident. Right. The temple was like all the way on the other side of town. Yep. So, you know, I didn't really know too many Jewish people yep. as a child. But when I went to high school, you know, there were plenty of Jewish. So obviously I already gave away the secret. We first met in college. We did. That's true. So what do you remember about our first meeting? You know, how did we meet? Well, I remember that when we were both freshmen, um, our floor in Shenango Third at Binghamton um, had about forty about forty uh, boys, and only seven of us were freshmen. If Which you remember, very, I do. It was very odd. Yes, I mean you would expect, you know, the, the floor to most, mostly be freshmen and sophomores, and maybe half would be freshmen. Exactly, that was not our floor. But for whatever reason, yeah, all the all the sophomores and even a lot of juniors, um, if you remember, lived on the floor. That's right. So. You know, it was just kind of different. For, for a lot of a lot of schools have freshman dorms. You live in a freshman That's dorm, right. and, but we didn't have that. So, which, which was a big negative, I thought. Yeah, yeah, I guess it was. All right, so so you're on the same floor as me. We're one of seven freshmen, so we know each other right away. Do you remember the first time we laid eyes on one another? I don't. Um, we were in Artie and Matt's room, and I remember just all the freshmen were we were kind of in there with. Uh, was it day one? No, it was maybe maybe. Uh, a week or two into the semester, and I, I just remember looking at everybody and, and like, you know, sizing them up and seeing who, you know, who, who wanted to fight me. And did, what did you think about me in terms of 
sizing me up and wanting to fight you. Well, we were, we were kind of going around the room and people were, you know, it, it wasn't a formal thing. It was just like informal where people were saying where they're from and where they went to school and stuff. And I'm like, Bronx Science. I'm like, wow, that guy must be really smart. <laughs> <laughs> and not tough. And not Well, not the Bron- tough. I was from the Bronx. That's true. So I was kind of torn. I'm like, is he smart or is he tough? Because he can't be both. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, I, I don't remember the first time I saw you, and I don't remember that particular story, but I do remember the first month of school. Um, you were just a few doors down from me, and you had a girlfriend the first day of school or something. Or I don't know if it was the first day, but early on. It was early, yeah. Yep. And this girl would <laughs> come to your room, and she would wait outside your dorm room while you got ready, I get, like on a date, and you'd put your jacket on, and you come out, and you guys would walk out together. And I was like, what's going on here? This is the funniest thing. He's like going on dates. How did he meet her? I don't know anybody here. So you, that's, I just remember you were the guy in the triple right. um, with Myro and Bill. Correct. So you were tripled, unfortunately. Yeah. Although maybe it was more unfortunate for me. I was not in a double, but <laughs> with a, an odd fellow we could talk yeah, about. Yeah, you, you did have an odd fellow as a roommate, that's yeah. for sure. But um, I just thought it was the oddest thing. And you were quiet at the time. You know, you'd come out, you kind of give me a nod. But was, we weren't talking at that point. Right, right. We weren't friends, and we certainly weren't friends. I recall that we kind of became friends a couple months in. Do you recall that as well? Right. I think I think what happened was you were hanging out in in the girls' room across across the hall because if you remember there was a triple girls right across the hall. So three is better than yes. two or one girls. And because apparently you you weren't great friends with your roommate, you spent more time in the girls' room <laughs> in anyone's room. <laughs> other right. Other than my roommate. <laughs> right. And then um, one one of the big things first semester, if you remember. One of one of the guys on the floor, I think his name was Tom. He he created um, a co-rec football team, and and it was like the whole floor, all the girls, all the guys were on this team. That's right. Um, we had like forty people on the team, and um, I think that's when that's when we, we started friends. becoming we were friends because we were on the same team, and um, you know at the parties too. Because one thing I have to mention is that. Our first semester is when the drinking age went from 19 to 21. Yeah, explain that because all all my our friends from Binghamton who are younger than us, which is almost all of them, you know, we've always lord, lorded this over them. But to, what was it like when we got there? Yeah, it's hard to understand if you weren't there. But when we got there, pretty much every every Friday night or every Saturday night, there was a, a, a keg of beer or multiple kegs of beer, like five or six kegs of beer um, in the dorm, in the main lounge. And you would just get online. They'd fill up your cup. You drink a beer and get back in line. That's I mean, right. it was it was just it was crazy. But at the time, the drinking age was nineteen. So the average person was of, of was legal. So there'd be parties, right? Every, and you'd always hear, oh, in Shenango, there was a oh, it was going to be a party or another one. Or sometimes it was on the floors and it was in we, the kegs would be in the shower of the bathroom, right? So it was the, the the night the party life the first our first semester was all in the dorms and it was fantastic. It was it was good. And then what happened? <laughs> and then January 1st, the drinking age changed and there were no more kegs. Yep. And if you tried to bring alcohol into the dorm, you know, the RD would try to find out and bust up your party. That's right. And, and we have millions of stories that we won't get to yep. of the like, campus police trying to get in and you know, trying to break up the parties and getting written up and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, you and I became good friends around the correct field time, not because of correct football, but because of the thing that's defined and had shaped our lives over the last 30 years, which, of course, is foosball. Yes, tell, I do recall foosball. Tell tell our audience what foosball is. 
because we have audience, you know, we have people in, in Romania. They might not even know what foosball is and tell them how we became friends over foosball. Actually, foosball, I think, is very popular over in Europe. But I will say, we had um, a foosball table, which is basically table soccer, um, in, in the basement of the dorm, in the, in the lounge. And nobody was ever in that room. It was very rare that anybody would be in that room. But there was a ping pong table, as I recall, and also a foosball table. And it wasn't a very good foosball table. It was, it was one that was probably 30 years old. But all the men worked. Everything worked. And, what more um, can you ask? Right. <laughs> what more can you ask? And some of the sophomores actually taught us how to play. Now, foosball, you might think all you do is you spin the guys around and hit the ball and it goes in, but it's a little more it's than that. It's so much more than that. <laughs> it is, right. I mean, you, you, can, get, you can get really good if you, if you play enough. And foosball is very big in Binghamton in general because we used to go out to a bunch of different um, bars at night, and a lot of them had foosball tables. So how did we get into foosball? Like, Did we just one day say, hey, Tim, let's go down to the basement and start playing, and we both got hooked? Something like that probably, right? I think that happened, but also, if you remember, we used to play in Delaware. Yeah, we, that was great. And there so, was... So well, f- well, the problem was, you and I would play in the basement, but no one was really playing in our dorm, and we were so hooked into it that we started going to other dorms just to find people to play, and we went over to Delaware. Maybe you had a girlfriend there or something. No, I don't think you did at the time, but for some reason, we ended up in Delaware. We go to their basement. They have a foosball table. There's guys playing, and we're in heaven. There were Right. There were about four or five guys... Um, who played foosball, and they were pretty good. Ken, Minkley, Pete, mm-hmm. a couple other guys. A couple other guys. And, uh, and and if they weren't, if we went over there and they weren't in there playing foosball, <laughs> we would go up to their rooms and <laughs> knock on their doors. <laughs> and we didn't even know these guys, really. We, we hardly knew them. We didn't care. Because it was only like the, the fourth week of school. Yeah, we just won the competition. So it was kind of great because our love of foosball led us to meeting people in another dorm right. that probably wouldn't have happened otherwise for a longer period of time. So we became friends with Ken and Pete. Mm-hmm. They were good guys. Yeah. And uh, we just would live there. So so with foosball, not only did we become friendly with the guys in Delaware, outside our dorm, and of course in our dorm, but we would go, as you alluded to, to bars in Binghamton. And the bars where foosball tables were in Binghamton typically were not college bars. They were very local, towny bars. But we loved it. So we would go to the OP, which is, of course, famous, and we would play with the townies. And these right. were towny townies. And we were the only two college kids in the bar, but we didn't care. No, no, because as soon as I walked in that OP, and it was a big bar, I just went right to the foosball table, and that's all that mattered. Yep. You know, it didn't matter who else was there or, or what, what songs were on or who the bartender was. All I cared about was who was playing foosball. That's right, and we just wanted to keep the table as long as we could. Right. And we nicknamed all the townies, right? <laughs> Go through all the townies' names you can remember. you got 12 seconds. There was Jerry Towney. Jerry Towney. <laughs> The rock star. <laughs> the rock star. I think his name was Dale. Okay. Uh, there was a guy named Tim. I don't remember his last name. That was you. Oh, yeah. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had a... Uh, there was three other guys. How could you not remember them? Oh, oh yeah. Mr. Foosball. Mr. Foosball, because he was really good. He was good. And Mrs. Foosball, which was... <laughs> Um, another guy. <laughs> well, why do we call him Mrs. <laughs> why do we do that? <laughs> I think he was a little effeminate at the okay, time. Okay, that's right. So, uh, yeah, so we, we became, I wouldn't say we were buddies. We weren't seeing them outside of foosball, but we knew these guys. We were friendly with them just through foosball over the months and months of playing. Correct. So we become buddies from foosball. We're living in the same dorm. And, uh, you know, we're doing fun stuff in the dorm. And eventually our next year we become roommates. We decide we're going to share a room. And we had a room that was at the end of the hallway. So it was very kind of like prominent. 
Right. The, the, you went down the hallway, and if our door was open, you could see right in our you, room. And in fact, you would just kind of go into our room. <laughs> and, you know, we lorded over the floor sophomore year. We're <laughs> now freshman we're in, we were big cheeses. We'll get to that soon, too. <laughs> and, um, and we had a whole bunch of idiosyncrasies regarding living together towards other people. For example, I've been told by some of our listeners to bring up secret meetings. So, oh, boy. So what were secret meetings? Well, secret meetings was generally, it was when we had a party... In, in the house. Usually it was in the house. Oh, you in the fraternity house? Yeah. Oh, so I'm jumping. House. I thought we had secret meetings in the dorm all the time to get rid of people. Uh, Are you confusing things? Okay. I don't well, I mean, remember that. My recollection we? is anytime, you know, we'd be in hanging out in someone's room and we want to leave or we want to do something else. And one of us would just declare, Brian or Tim, secret meeting. <laughs> and we just leave. And everyone would be in the room wondering, what the hell are these guys going to talk about that in a secret meeting? <laughs> like, what's so important? What can it possibly be? It was invariably unimportant. Nothing we ever talked about was important in four years of college. But we would call them secret <laughs> meetings. And people were always, you know, I, I, all they wanted to do was be in on one of our secret meetings. And we wouldn't let them because they were secret meetings. Exactly. <laughs> and, okay. and secret meetings remind me of another time we locked out people, which is by sophomore year, when we were living together, we got into the TV show ALF. Do you recall I, that? I loved Alf. Yes. What night of the week was it on? It was on Monday. And <laughs> if you recall, we only had two channels. <laughs> only two channels worked on the TV. So I, I had this 13-inch color TV, which at the time was the greatest thing ever. Yes. Because very few people had TVs. Now it's the size of an iPad. <laughs> now, right. Now it's my iPad's bigger. Okay. Um, but still, it was it was great at the time. And um, yeah, on, on Monday night, we would always, we would generally go right. Well, we had a routine. Do you remember the routine? We would go to I mean, Floral Market. For, for hours before, we would be planning. So go ahead. <laughs> right. It was Alf night. So we yeah. would go to Floral Market. Which was a beer place. Which was, right, which, which was a beer, a beer distributor and a, and a liquor store. And we would, we would buy like a 12-pack of beer Sometimes we'd Monday. stop in on, on Ken, whose right. house was nearby. We would, we would visit our off-campus friends. We didn't do this freshman year because we had no car. Of course, of course. But sophomore year and, and junior year, I guess we did. Um, and we, we would try to stop in on, on our friends who lived near Floral Market. Yep. So we get we get the beer, we'd stop in, we come back to the room well in advance of the starting time of the show, right? Start yes. drinking the beer. Start drinking the beer. And then people were always congregating in our room. Our room was kind of like a, a hub. And then at some point, you know, 20 minutes before the show was going to start, what would we do? Well, we would try to kick people out, but they never would leave. <laughs> so we would both have to leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then one by one, they, they would, they the guests would, they would leave. Yeah, they would wait for Brian to go. And then, as soon as the last guy got out, we would run back in the room and lock the door. Right, we had to lock. And people the door. would knock on the door, banging, "Hey, Tim, Brian, let us in." But that's because they knew that we were watching out. Like for some reason, everybody wanted to be there. They wanted to be part of it. But we, 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 we had to have silence. Like this was a serious thing. Right. Like even today, when I'm watching TV, I don't want somebody to be talking through it. <laughs> I want to watch my show and nobody to talk. Yeah, and, and especially for an important show. Right, like Alf. Of course. So, so we had this whole routine. <laughs> People thought we were crazy, but we did what we wanted. Exactly. Speaking of crazy routines in the room, do you remember that, again, our room was at the end of the hall, and occasionally there would be tours coming through the dorm. People wanted, considering whether they want to come to Binghamton. They'd be kid, high school kids with their parents doing the tour. And we weren't planning it, but invariably... We'd be doing something stupid in our room in full view of these tours. Like, we had a thing called um, chair wrestling. Oh, chair wrestling. So, what was chair wrestling? Well, it was actually chair fighting. Okay, well, sorry. <laughs> it was, I would stand on my chair, you'd stand on your chair. Certain feet apart. Right, that, right. They'd, they'd be close enough, like maybe three feet apart, and you'd have to knock the other guy off the chair. That's right. 
I mean, it was it was actually. I had a disadvantage simply because I was smaller. Yes, and I had quite a reach. And you and you had a reach, so you would generally win. But I had to try tricks. Oh, I you, had to, you were always innovating. Like, I was innovating. Like, the best innovation ever is like instead of just like pushing each other and trying to push off, you jumped over to my chair. And went to it was it was brilliant. <laughs> it, but, it was it was. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, we had a sumo wrestling. Sumo wrestling where we would we had a carpet or area rug and we try to push the other guy off the area rug. And I, you remember that. Barely. Okay. Well, in any event, I just remember so many times there'd be tours going by, and this is what they would be entertained to watch. I mean, instead of, you know, let's see the uh, computer center and the research facility, and they'd see us knuckleheads doing what we were doing. Oh, my so, God. That would be great, though, for a kid, a kid to say, hey, Mom, I really want to come here. They do, they do chair fighting. <laughs> they do chair fighting. <laughs> we, we just invented a lot of games. So, um, yeah. So we did a lot of that. Um, also, we occasionally would take classes together. Not too often. We were different majors. Right. And l- let me just cut in here and oh, say, please, please. I don't want people to think that all we did was fool around. I mean, we did a lot of studying. Both of us studied plenty. Wait, you, you think people are going to hear this and you want people to think that's true? I just want people to think that, you know, it wasn't all fun and games. I mean, college, you kids, kids who are listening, you know, you have to really, you know, you have to study. You, you can't just <laughs> go through college and not study. You've got okay. to study a lot and, okay. to get good grades. People probably don't know you. <laughs> And how much of a lie that is, but we were the worst. We were the terrible students. And in fact, I think it's better to tell the truth and say how bad students we were and use ourselves as examples of what not to do. No comment. Okay. <laughs> Always he's got a son in college. Oh, now I know where we're going with this. I'm sorry I busted you. All right. So we took some classes together. Not too many. You were an accounting major ultimately, although you started out something else. I was an economics major. You know, we weren't in too many classes, but... My favorite class was a class we took senior year. And you know what I'm about to get to? It was cartography, which yes. for people who don't know what that means, that's map making, actually the, the science of making maps. I think we took it because we just thought it was going to be easy. Maybe we heard it was easy, assumed well, it was easy. You have a certain number of electives. And, you know, we both needed an elective. And we decided that that map making was the way to go. <laughs> For whatever reason, we decided it would be fun or easy, or at least we'd be in the same class. Yeah. So we go to this class, which is very different than the others in, in the sense that it had these drawing tables instead of a lecture hall or classroom set up. And it was a small class, maybe 30 students, maybe less, I'm not sure. And it became clear pretty quickly this was a very casual class. The professor was a graduate student, so he was kind of laid back. And you and I were taking full advantage, and we just took over the class. And we tried to make it a comedy show. <laughs> For the most part. So to tell tell, tell uh, the, the podcast anything you want to talk about cartography. I just love that class. Well, the teacher, he wanted to go by his first name. And he was young. He was probably about, what, 21, 23? No, no. He was in his mid-20s. Mid-20s. All right. Yeah. So say 25. And, um, you know, he, he Remember was... Remember his name? Mark. Doesn't sound familiar. Oh. But he was a graduate student in the geology department. I remember that. Right. Okay. So he taught map making, and we just thought that because he was a young, nice guy and everything, that we were just going to walk through and get A's with no problem. <laughs> but meanwhile, in this class, you, you had to make every single line on your map perfect. Like, even a corner had to be perfect, or he would circle it in red pen and write minus 10. That's right. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was very tough to make these perfect maps, but r- that was the, what it was, cartography was about. Right, right. It was about perfection, and... You know, we probably should have not shouldn't have been a class where you had to be per- perfect. <laughs> no, no, far from it. But but he but he loved us um, in part because he knew I was on the baseball team at the time because I wore my jersey sometimes before going to practice, and he knew you were uh, you know 
we said he knew you were a ball player too, and he was always trying to get us to play for the geology team. He thought we'd be ringers, so he was always kind of wooing us for that. And we were funny, and we we showed our personality in this class in a way that you wouldn't in another class. Right. So he liked us, but he knew we were we were like class clown goofballs. Yes, in and that class we were. We were, and there were several funny stories. Well, first I'll I'll tell them, and you cut it all where you want. Okay. In one instance. Um, most maps, we were told you had to make a certain kind of map. It might be a map of a of a country or whatever, or a municipality. But in one case, he said, listen, it's up to you guys. Pick whatever U.S. state you want to make a map of. It's up to you. He gave us carte blanche to pick the thing. It didn't have to be a U.S. state. It could have been pretty much anything. It was the whole world. It was the whole world. Oh my anything God. you wanted. Okay, anything in the world. Now, you would think Tim and I would talk, but we never talked about school classes outside of class. We'd walk back to <laughs> the dorm room together, but we weren't talking about it because we didn't care. So one, so we show up at class the day the assignments do a few weeks later, and we have the same map, and it's the map of New Mexico, which is which is the, the most rectangular state in the world. Four lines for the little thing hanging down, literally the easiest map you could. Right of all make. the U.S. states, it's definitely the easiest, or or anything in the world, maybe anything in the world, right? Because, like you said, it's a big square with so, a little tiny. We in, so we independently, without talking, came up with the same project. Came into class with it, presented it, and of course, the professor thought we he wasn't appreciative of it. He thought we we, we made a mockery of it. So, of course, remember what we did with those particular maps, the final those projects. I don't. We hung them up over our door in our dorms for the whole rest of the semester. Oh, right. I remember that. So we, we thought that was fun. So, so first of all, we did that. Secondly, our final project. The final project was you had to make... Okay, well, here's the thing. The teacher said, you got to come up with a final project. He gave some guidelines or ground rules, what it had to include. And he said, you know, in two weeks, you got to come back and discuss with the class what your final project is going to be. By this point... I had already taken, switched my class to pass fail. <laughs> pass fail, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I was smart enough to know this, we were going down. You kept it as a regular grade, which to this day was probably one of your bigger mistakes. We never talked about this, but we're walking to class or something, and we both realized as we're walking to class, we said, oh, you know, do you, so what final project did you come up with? And you said, like, I don't, I don't have one. And I, you asked me, I said, I don't have one either. And we both said, all right, well, we'll sit in the back of the class. We'll hear what other people came up with, and we'll just <laughs> kind of wing it and just come up with something at the very end. Right. So we do that. We sit at the back of the class, and um, we, you know we sink low in our seat, and we're trying to hide, basically. And sure enough, the professor turns and says, okay, let's start with everyone presenting their final projects. Let's start with, hmm, hey, hmm, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and he points to you. So what happens? So, he, yeah, he pointed to me, and I didn't really have an idea for a final project no, you didn't. yet at that point. And I, and I looked at him, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, I, um, I left it in my other notebook. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said oh wait I ruined the story actually yeah. first no, no no first he said we're gonna have to delete this first he said to oh me, yeah I'm choosing I'm choosing between two you told him I'm choosing between two and then he said he said oh, well good. maybe the class can help let's tell us what those two are <laughs> so, and maybe, they can, maybe so you, you volunteered now to give two projects you know any <laughs> <laughs> and then when he when he said that I said I said well I, I would tell you what they are but I left it in my other notebook <laughs> <laughs> and he knew at this point you were making a mockery. Right, he knew that. So, so, so you were busted, and that was it. And then he said, "Okay, how about Brian?" <laughs> <laughs> so, in this time when Tim's getting grilled, I'm just racking my brain, and I came up with something just to some baloney project that I 
that I was the able number to, of Democrats who live in Delaware. <laughs> it was it was something like crime rates in in Chicago, and you would make shaded a shaded map based on a plethora. What was it called? The plethograph. Isopleth. Isopleth. Yep. So uh, so we had a lot of fun in that class. We did. Um, I, I don't think that that particular class hurt us. The fact that I didn't have an idea for I mean, no, he no. graded my final project. Yeah, which wasn't very good, but <laughs> at least you know. Yeah, no, he he liked us and he he took it easy on us. But that right. was great. Rob, his name was Rob. Rob, bingo. Yes, bingo. That was it. <laughs> All right, I have a whole bunch of other topics I want to hit, but Tim brought a list with him, and he's checking his watch. He's very he's very you know he's an accountant. He's rule oriented. So is there anything you want to talk about in particular? How much time do we have? I'm just curious. We're, we're only half an hour in. We've got okay. plenty of time. Okay, half an hour. Do you, do you want me to keep going or do you have something you want to turn to right now? Nothing I want to talk, talk about specifically. All right, so I would like to talk about something specifically. Uh-oh. All the fights we got into because of you. What? Me? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound familiar, but okay. <laughs> okay, everyone has to understand something about Tim. So, Tim, you're not the biggest guy in the world, right? Uh, probably not. Yeah, I mean, Tim was on the smaller side of, uh, you know... Of things, but Tim is not afraid, particularly if there was alcohol involved, to say anything to anybody, and that's how, that's how you came to college. And we, we, as a result, you would say things that would get people to sometimes want to fight us or fight you. And compared to you, I was a little bigger, so I looked like a big guy. So I would have to step in to try to help. But I'm far from a big guy. I was a skinny jalink. Back then. Right, but but you were bigger than me. <laughs> I was bigger than you, but your mouth is bigger than anybody. So I have a whole, I mean, we could do a whole, the rest of the podcast on fights, but, okay, do you remember the time? Well, you could tell it. I mean, it's so funny because I should probably be telling these. I don't want to the tell Carlton? them. Was it the, the Carlton? Carlton? Yeah, when, because oh. you're, you're like, you're the guy who's, I'm observing and it's crazy what's going on. I, I'll tell the Carlton. You'll tell some others. <laughs> the Carlton was a bar across the street from where we lived senior year, and we were going into, we were leaving the Carlton. We'd probably been drinking, and Tim must have brushed up against one of the townies there. They were called townies. I'm not proud. It's not a great name, but local people there. And the, the local people there usually were giants compared to the students of Binghamton. And sure enough, one of the guys he bumps into is a giant also. We're leaving the bar. We get out of the bar, and these four or five guys come up the bar. They hate Binghamton students to begin with, it's a classic kind of stuff. And they come right up to you, and they the guy gets in your face like, what you know, he's pissed that you bumped into him or something. But it was probably just an excuse to fight. And they they surrounded us. So I'm looking. the the main The main guy comes up to you. There's three or four guys around us, and the smallest guy is much bigger than me. We're going <laughs> to get killed. So I'm like, how? And I remember thinking to this day, like I remember thinking at the time, how are we getting out of this? I didn't know how we're getting out of this. Right, we're going to get right. killed. And you, the guy comes up to you and he starts complaining that you did dumb, bumped into him or something, and you just get in his face. You go right up to him and you're like, what's with you guys? You're just like a bunch of old ladies. You know, what are you complaining about? You, you guys are losers. You're like my grandmother. <laughs> you said all those things. I know. I know. I, I, I don't know what you... I don't, I'm like, this is it. It's totally <laughs> over. But you didn't care. You were ready to fight them. All yeah, of them. Well, I think I could have taken them. <laughs> You couldn't take any of them. They would have killed us all. I remember trying to signal to the bouncer. I the fight bar. better when I'm drunk. <laughs> I remember signaling to the bouncer, trying to get them out there. And I guess I got them to come out. And, you know, I we just, we just, we, there was no fight, like all our fights. But we're always about to get killed. Um, that one really stuck out. I'm going to tell <laughs> another one. And then you're going to tell a third. We're going to move on. Okay. We took a road trip with the fraternity to Oswego. 
we're in a bar in Oswego, SUNY Oswego, and that place is even more local, kind of like townie-ish than Binghamton. And uh, we're there, the fraternity, a lot of fraternity guys there, you would think we have a lot of guys, we're in good shape, but somehow um, something happens, some altercation happens with me, and some guys being a jerk, so I grab you, and I say, and I grab Paul, uh, our friend Paul O'Neill, and said, we gotta go, gotta do start something with this guy. Mm-hmm. And um, so you guys back me up, and we go up to him, <laughs> and I get in his face. I, this was like the only time I was ever aggressive. But, I, I remember that, and yes. I'm like, oh, I've never seen Brian like this. Well, I had to be. It's not worth getting into why, but there was a good reason. Okay, okay. And, um, you're behind, and by the way, this is after hours of drinking. We were at a sorority mixer at Oswego. We were, you know, we were pretty, we drank a lot. And we're, I'm in the face of this guy. And at the same time, then you and I just noticed on the side of my eye, you're in the face of another guy, and Paul's in the face of a third guy. And Paul's our friend who I love and I have to have on the podcast. Paul <laughs> is like a normal sized guy, but he would fight anybody and he was crazy. Yeah, he, Back then, Paul is the greatest. Yeah. Now we love you, Paul. Um, but Paul <laughs> at the time, he was crazy. So all I remember is it's about to get to, to punches being thrown. And I hear Paul's guy saying to Paul, because Paul's got like like a bottle of beer in his hand ready to bash him in the head. And the guy's like, what are you going to do, bash hit me with a bottle of beer? And Paul's like, yeah. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he meant it. And sure enough, at that moment, Paul takes the bottle of beer and smashes it on the bar. You do the same or something similar, and you walk away. <laughs> you were so drunk, you just bashed your bottle, and you just walked. It wasn't like you're running for the fight. You just... Well, you, you sometimes on TV, you see somebody like break a bottle so there's like a jagged edge and mm-hmm. you can hurt someone. But when I when I tried it, the only thing I had left in my hand was like a little half-inch piece of the rim of the bottle. <laughs> it was like a little circular <laughs> thing. So I guess you figured it didn't work and you walked away. Yeah. So 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 bouncers come over, break us up, and that's the end of that non-fight. But I remember like an hour later in this bar, and it's kind of like one of those bars where there's a bar in the middle and it's like you just do loop around in circles around it. Like cheers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and at some point I stumbled upon you like an hour later. I said, Tim, what's, what's going on? What happened? And you looked at me with these vacant eyes. You were like a zombie. You, would, you were just, you know, that was one of your drunk nights. And you were just, you couldn't even, you weren't even verbal. And you just looked at me and you opened your hand and, and in your hand was a little piece <laughs> of the bottle. with a little blood on your hand too. You had been carrying it for an hour you were just gone. <laughs> you I, were gone. What's funny is I actually remember that. As drunk <laughs> as I might have been, I remember that to this that, day. That was great. Now, I'm gonna, you're going to tell the last fight story, and it's centered in another country, Mexico. Oh, I, oh, I forgot about that story. Okay, so, so it was spring break, 1987 or 8, and we, we six of us took a trip, trip to Mexico. It was, Acapulco. Right. In, in one room, it was me, you, and Jack. The other room was Brian, uh, Howie, and Gary. Correct. Okay. So we went out to dinner at at some, you know, Mexican restaurant. And I remember that we were trying to get together a few dollars for the tip. And Jack was saying things to me that were very derogatory. (laughs) (laughs) And he was calling me a cheapskate and, and saying very bad things. And I was very angry. And I remember flipping the table over. You, you, they'd been drinking involved. Right, they was drinking involved. Jack sometimes knew how to push your buttons. Yes, yes, he, he was did. pushing them, and you got up in the middle of the restaurant. I remember the first time he tried to flip the table. I was holding the table down. <laughs> so I was always keeping you from 
Franken things. But before I go any further, I have to say the menu. When you looked at the menu, <laughs> like everything in this country is don't drink and drive, don't drink and drive. In America, yeah. in America. But when you go to Mexico, there was a big thing on the back saying, <laughs> "Don't forget to take our, you know, whatever the drink specialty our top was, margarita for the road to go, take to it go to for go. the road, for the road, which we love because it was very different." So, so, so you're already angry in the restaurant. I'm angry, and back then I was. I was very angry. Now now I practice stoicism. Did I ever tell you about oh, that? Oh, you're full of baloney. But you're not anywhere like you were then, but yes. Not because I'm of not stoicism. Like that. So, so um, you know, after a few drinks, I was fighting Jack in the street, and, and, and we were well, throwing no, no. punches. No, you were jumping to it. It wasn't like... It, we, we came were, out... We were we, walking back to the restaurant. Yeah, we were walking back, and Jack said one more thing to you. Okay. And I remember you saying, that's it! <laughs> and you charged him. <laughs> and I was stupid enough to try to get in the middle, like I always did. And just as you're trying to get a jack, and I'm trying to stay in between you, and we're clearly in the middle of an altercation, right? the cops observe this. The cops come. And when the cops come, you know, there's not just one. There's like eight of them. And they all have rifles. They all have these big rifles. <laughs> yes, and they're like, come with us. And so In they Spanish, talk, even. In they're Spanish. Not... They're like, they're like uh, what do they say? I don't know Spanish. <laughs> Vamanos. <laughs> we could ask Alfie, but he doesn't know Spanish either. That's true. Right. Uh, so, so they grab us. They basically don't even speak. They just grab us. And they, they, they grabbed me. They grabbed you. I didn't you. do anything. No, you were trying to break it up. Yes, if anything, they I'm should a, have given you a medal. The, the Mexican whatever, whatever medal is medal in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they, then they took us to this. It really wasn't a jail. It was more like a police station. Yeah. But they, they threw us in this. I just remember it was like a big round house. Like it was it, round. It was, a, it was a circular kind of freestanding building. Right. But with and the windows were not sealed off. It was, just a, it was an open air building. It was weird. Right, and I spoke a little Spanish, but, you know, just what I learned in, in high school. Me llamo Tim. <laughs> Me llamo Tim. So I remember being in there, and and uh, every now and then um, I would try to talk to the guard because he, 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 didn't, he wasn't letting us they leave. Were, they, weren't, they weren't speaking, and we were just stuck there. And then I realized at some point that they wanted money. Yes, I remember that too. They, in fact, I remembered it. There was a female police officer sitting there, like an administrative woman, and she saw how worried we were. We were worried. We were stuck in a police station or jail, whatever it was. And she just smiled at me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is okay. And then the light bulb went off on us. That, was they the just bulb? wanted a few dollars. They wanted so, a bribe. So there was a window there. And I, I <laughs> had we had no, no money. money. We I had, had no money. money. We never had any money. No, no. That was the whole point of, of the fight in the restaurant because we didn't have enough money to tip because no one had money. We never. We, be, we picked the... There were 18 hotels on the travel agent gave us. We picked the 18th hotel, the cheapest hotel. We had nothing. We barely could afford to go there. Right, exactly. So we had no money, and the window's open. What do we do? So, so I, I remember saying to one of the one of the policemen, I said, I said, "Quanto uh, son? Like, how much do you want?" Basically, "Quanto son?" And he said, "Whatever he said." I, I I said, "You know, no tango dinero," and he's like. To Amigo, and he pointed out the window. Yeah, so the guys who were waiting outside for right. us. Right, and one of and one of the guys, I think it was Brian. I could see him from the window. Like it, I could have crawled out the window. I mean, it was just wide open. I said, "Brian, you got any money?" He's like, "Yeah," and he handed me twenty bucks, <laughs> American. And I gave twenty bucks to the guy. And he let they let and us he out. Let us out. <laughs> like that was it. It was twenty we bucks. Done. We got out of jail. Yeah. We got out of prison. <laughs> yeah. The best part was this is the epilogue of the story, but it goes backwards. When they were arresting us right away, you were still so angry at Jack and still so hyped up that <laughs> they're taking us away with these eight cops with rifles. And you turned to me and you said, I'm so freaking angry. I'm going to grab his gun and, and I'm going <laughs> to grab his gun right now. 
by one of the cops. And I'm like, no, you're not going to grab his gun. I remember doing that. I remember. You remember saying that? I was that? so angry. Like, I don't get angry like that anymore. I think, no, I, think no. I grew out of that. Yes, yes. Like, Gra- now I'm you so grew- reasonable. Oh, you, you totally grew out of wanting to grab cops' rifles <laughs> and shoot them in, in a foreign country. Well, I didn't want to shoot the cop. I mean, I wanted to shoot Jack. <laughs> but you were, you were a different guy back then. Yeah, I was. You were, I was. You, were you were a badass. I mean, and uh, you were a tough guy. I don't know why. Uh, oh, 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 I still am. So uh, hold on. even with all my medical problems, I'm still a tough guy. Well, we're not going to get into your medical problems. Please. That's going to make the podcast listeners leave as soon as possible. Here you go, sir. I have one more thing I would like to. Um, I'd like to talk about. Okay. At one point, we decided that we needed money. <laughs> money, money was always tough to have at Binghamton because neither one of us were rich. It wasn't like a, our parents were like. You know, like today's kids, the parents are like, oh, let me give you money. Let me give you money. We were always short of money. We were always short of money. Yeah. Money was So we decided we were going to be umpires. <laughs> and, and Umpire intramural games at Binghamton. We, right. We umpired intramural games. Exactly. Like like we go to we go to the East Gym or West Gym and, and, and we'd umpire, you know, Binghamton games against Binghamton um, co-ranked Binghamton, teams. Yeah, Binghamton students playing each other. <laughs> and um, there was one game in particular I'm talking about where Brian Denevsky... Was the uh... is there another Brian we're talking about? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. It could be it could be Wallace. <laughs> all right, you could use my name. It's all right. <laughs> the, the counselor decided to be the home plate umpire, and I was the base umpire. And it just so happened in this game, it was a game against guys we didn't know, against some Shenango guys. That's right. It was a fraternity. It was, was it, Sig- it was Sigma Nu was playing. Brian Waller's friends, all those second floor guys. Right. So we knew some of the guys, and we didn't know. It just it just played out that way. And it was like the last out of the game. But it was a close game, as I recall. And It was right down to the wire. Right down to the wire, and anything could happen. And um, and the guy from the fraternity hit a ground ball, and, and whoever fielded it, the shortstop or the second baseman, threw it to first, and, and the first baseman kind of caught it, but dropped it and picked it up at the same time as the runner was crossing first base. And I decided that he was out because it, w- it was that close. I mean, I got to admit, I was not a great umpire by any Th- means. This was the fraternity guy you called out. I, I called the fraternity guy out, yeah. but it just so happened that, you know, we knew the first baseman. And, we knew the whole yeah, team. And game, game over. And game over. And They thought you made the wrong call. They thought I made the wrong call. They were yelling and screaming, saying, he dropped the ball. I'm like, yeah, but he picked it up at this uh, before the runner got there. And they're like, no, no, the runner crossed. You know, so it was a big deal. And then they they were so mad at me, but then they decided they, they were going to try to get Brian to change the call because he was the home plate umpire, and the home plate umpire apparently has some, uh, I don't authority know, to, authority. Uh, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> what the hell did we know? We, did, we didn't. <laughs> but they were, they wanted to kill you, I mean, for a while. and Yeah, I felt like I had to get out of there quick. <laughs> so I stepped, I stepped in and said, he was right. I spoke, and then they wanted to kill me. <laughs> and not only did they want to kill us, that carried over over the weekend where we were hearing stories about they were going to kill us in bars. <laughs> you remember that? Uh, they, yes, they yes. Were, <laughs> I do remember that. They were going to kill us. They wanted to kill us. They they were so mad. But in reality, I mean, if I had a videotape, I believe I made the right call. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't even remember, but I just remember, you know, I was angry that they were yelling at you. And I I would always escalate things at the time and say, you know, you guys are a bunch of jerks. He got it right. And they would hate me more. So uh, that, was, that was another almost fight. Yes, yeah. it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. You, you, do you have any? I, I, I can keep going. I got a million topics. You, do you want to turn to one of yours? Nope. It's all you. All right. Fine. When we both tried out for the baseball team. 
I will set this up. Junior year, we were getting a little bored, and we said, let's try to join the baseball team. You you played on your high school team as a catcher. I did not play on the Bronx science team because as geeky as that school was, I was such a runt, I couldn't get on. But I was a good athlete, and I taught myself how to pitch the summer before junior year, and we both decided we're going to... We're going to try out for the team. You as a catcher, me as a pitcher. And <laughs> I can't believe you're sitting here silently. Because you I, know I where know I'm going. I, I just, There's nothing to I was hoping you wouldn't bring this up. Oh, this had to be brought up. So we're getting ready. We know the tryouts in a couple days. I turn to Tim and I say, Tim, I'm a pitcher. I'm ready. But you're a catcher. Baba booey. Baba booey. <laughs> uh, you're a catcher and you have to hit. And I say, Tim, it's been two years since, you know, two plus years since you've been uh, play baseball. You haven't picked up a glove. I said, you should get to a batting cage, take some swings. It would be a good idea. It you was know? a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, that, I, now that I reflect <laughs> on it, it was so, a good idea. So, Tim, <laughs> you were just so supremely confident that you said, no, no, no. I'm the greatest. I'm going to walk onto this team. I don't need to go to a batting cage or anything else. They're going to love me. It's Division Three. Division I mean, Three. Like Division One. That's right. You were confident. <laughs> so like I said, the Mets. I said, I just think it can't hurt, but you didn't want to do it. So we went to tryouts. They divide the position players from the from the pitchers. Um, I'm kind of like they're making the pitchers run a lot. The pitchers always have to build up their legs and stamina. And you, I'm in the outfield doing whatever the pitchers are doing, and you. Finally, get your turn. They call you into the batter's box. And the coach, who, he looked like an old man to me. He's probably like 38. <laughs> but, no, he was in his 50s okay. or 60s, yeah. So, so an old man. He's there. He's gonna, An old man. I'm 50. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's going to throw BP to you. And you get up there. You walk on like the swagger of like Babe Ruth. Like you're just <laughs> going to show the whole world. And I'm watching from the outfield because I want you to do well because we both want to join the team together. And he is throwing batting practice pitching. Like... He's 50-something, and he's lobbing in there. So the first pitch he throws, swing and a miss. And I'm like, okay, you know, he's Tim swung and a miss. He's a little rusty. Yeah, he's a little rusty. rusty. (laughs) So he throws the next pitch, and you miss also. And you're not missing by a little. You're missing by a lot, as I can see from the outfield. I'm like, all right, you just got to get his timing back. And then he throws the third pitch, and the fourth pitch, and the sixth pitch, and the tenth pitch. And Tim (laughs) doesn't even foul one off. He's a foot away from every pitch, and everyone starts to look at the guy who's trying out who can't hit batting practice that, <laughs> pitching. That was seriously the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me in my life. Were you embarrassed <laughs> when it was happening? Of course. Of course. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm probably the greatest baseball player that ever lived. Who, you know, who's no, who not never made it to the MLB. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then I couldn't hit the ball because, I mean, I, the truth is, I, that was when I realized first that I needed <laughs> prescription glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but also that maybe I was right about going to the cage. Yeah, maybe you were right. But but I was in the outfield because you're my good friend. I want you to do well. And I, I'm like hiding behind. I can't even look. It was crazy. The the epilogue to that story was, I okay, I made the team because lefty pitchers are always in demand. And I remember a few months later, we had to go to like, I had to return like my baseball pants or something for right, the season. Right, right. We we met with the coach. We just you came with me. We I bumped came with the coach. You, yeah. Coach remembered you. Yes. And he remembered you were a catcher. He's like, you got to come out for the team again. <laughs> I'm like, this coach must have Alzheimer's. Why would he want him to come out to the team again? Were you short little... on catchers or something? <laughs> I guess so. It was like almost like lefty pitchers. So that was great. That was great. So um, I mean, other other than the fact that I couldn't hit a ball. I did well at the tryouts. Oh, you were amazing. <laughs> Other, what, did you do anything? What, did you catch the ball? 
Uh, I did. I caught the ball once. That's great. <laughs> That's great. All right. Fair I'm enough. not, not going to get into a lot of fraternity stories because Brian Waller and I covered a lot of them. And we covered the story about getting you back into the fraternity when you stupidly decided not to be part of it. But one fraternity story I, I want to hit is you decided in our second year of the fraternity that you wanted to run for one of the six executive board positions and in particular treasurer. And you were an accounting major and you thought it would be a good idea to be treasurer and you wanted to contribute. And I said, that's great. I'd love you on the executive board. We have meetings every week. We're best buddies. It'll be great. I said, but listen, I'm the president of fraternity. I know how to get you elected. And what you need to do is the one position that they want someone serious in is treasurer because <laughs> you're the guy who controls the money. And so you can't be the goofball that people might have thought of you and me as. So I said, when you run for it, when you campaign, and when you give a speech at the fraternity meeting, you should be serious. And you're like, Brian, I get it. I'm with you. I, I'm going to want this position. So thank you for the advice. So That's true. That's we all show, true. <laughs> we show up at the fraternity meeting. The executive board sits at one end of a classroom. And there was a blackboard behind us. And I remember coming into this. I'm going to tell the story. I remember, <laughs> I remember, I remember coming into this. You're already there. I was already there. And I had it all set up. You So... You're, you're leaning back in your chair like a lot of people lean back in the chair. You're leaning back against the wall behind us where the chalkboard is. And the... Um, and the There's a screen there's a o- screen over the chalkboard. That's right. It's pulled down. And it's pulled down. And you're leaning against it. Right. Which is all normal. No big deal. Mm-hmm. So the meeting goes on. We're, uh, we're talking. We're hanging out. Hold on. Tim wants a little wine. He brought his own. He's very particular. This isn't bad. No, well, you brought it, so... <laughs> So, so he's sitting there, and when it's time to elect treasurer, each of the candidates, Craig Harris was one of them, Gary Backman, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe it was Gary or Howie, I don't remember. In any event, it's time for speeches. And I've already told you, Tim, be serious. You know, let's get this. You can get this. It's a good thing being treasurer of the fraternity. And it's, I say, okay, I'm the president. So I turn to Tim, 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 it's your turn to give your speech. And you're like, thank you, Brian. And you kind of put your hands up and you move your chair forward slightly and your chair. No, but before I did that, I I said something. I said, I'm tired of all, all this. Oh, what did I say? <laughs> like uh, when people run for office, what, what are they doing? Campaigning? <laughs> yeah, I, I said, I'm, t- I'm tired of all these dirty campaigning. <laughs> I'm just so tired of it. You know, all the dirty campaigning is going on. The cheap tricks. And cheap like... tricks, right. Cheap campaigning, cheap little tricks. Oh. I said, I won't stand for it. And then as I moved forward, the screen lifted up. Because your, 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 your chair had been against the screen. Right. You move forward, the, chi- the screen shoots up. Yes. And what did it say underneath? It said, vote for Tim. Yes. And everyone's <laughs> hysterical laughing. And Tim thinks he just, you know, he won it all. I and thought it, that that would win at the election. Yes. <laughs> and the minute I saw that, when I stopped laughing, I immediately realized he had no chance because the fraternity doesn't want a goofball controlling the money. Yes. And you lost by what? 31 to 2 or something? No, it was a lot closer than that. Actually, closer. he might never have known. I, this might be the first disclosure of it because I counted the votes. I don't think. Well, you voted for me. I, yes, I and, and you that's what the two is. You and, and me. You. <laughs> <laughs> because you did exactly the opposite of what I said. So that was the funniest thing. So um, there's a few other things I have to hit. We're, we're approaching an hour, and uh, we might go a little over, but Ba-ba-boy. that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. First of all, the coin toss story. Do you know what I'm referring to? 
I do. Tell that story, please, sir. <laughs> okay. All right. So it was it was late in the semester. It was like either midterms or finals were coming up, and I was like very serious because you were just transferred to like the school. It was of junior. Management. It was junior year. I had just transferred to school of management as an accounting major, and you know I really wanted to get good grades. So I was like, you know, I was like a new Tim. <laughs> Why was that? <laughs> it was a new Tim. I mean, it was lucky I even got in. Yeah. And then the next thing I know, I'm, I'm trying to study, trying to study. I, I have like an accounting test coming up the next day. And I'm like, I'm like sitting in the room studying, which is never a good idea because, you know, our, our, our third floor shenanigans was crazy. There was always yeah. something going on and it was, it was just hard to get work done. And Brian's like, Tim, you got to come out. You got to come out with us. I'm like, no, I can't. I got to study. And he's like, come on, what can I do to make you come? I said, nothing. I got a test tomorrow. I can't. <laughs> it is like a Tuesday night. It Most people like, are right, going Tuesday, out. But I, I'm on a streak of like 12 <laughs> nights out in a row. And he's like, okay, what if I flip a coin twice and, <laughs> and win? Will you go out? I said, no. And then he said, what if I flip a coin five times and win? <laughs> Will you go out? And I said, fine. If you can flip a coin five times... And, and and call it and win five times, I'll go out. <laughs> and you would think that that's impossible. <laughs> but somehow, some way, Brian pulled it off. He flipped a coin five times. And I was the guy who flipped it. So it wasn't like he cheated or he lied. I flipped it. And he called it five times in a row. Whether it was heads or tails, he got it right every time. <laughs> I, so what, so, 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 so on the fifth, the fifth toss, I call it, what happens? I closed my book and I said, "Let's go." You didn't. You didn't complain. I didn't complain. I went out. That was it. I mean, I, how could I? <laughs> it was fate. I so mean, that's let, fate. Let's do the math. So, <laughs> the f- two flips in a row is a one and four, right? Mm-hmm. You just keep multiplying the denominator. Right. Three is one and eight. Uh huh. Four is one and sixteen. <laughs> sixteen. And five is one and thirty-two. Correct. <laughs> you should play the lottery. <laughs> I mean, this was the most unlikely of events because I, I finally said yes. Only because I figured, okay, he'll lose and he'll, he'll go away. Alone. And, then, and then I can study. But, you know, I had no idea that he was going to be able to call it right five times in a row. <laughs> Did, was it a trick quarter? I don't even know. No, no. <laughs> it, was, it was real. So uh, that, was, that was great. <laughs> I, could, I, I have a million other stories on my list, but, you know, we've we got to close it down. Um, Why? Is, is there... What, do you have anything, any stories that we should close it out with? I see you looking at your piece of paper. I love that you did your homework here. We got this. I do have a piece of paper. <laughs> He's getting all comfortable. He's leaning back in the chair. What, what did we miss? Well, you didn't give me much of a chance to talk about East Meadow. Is there something that my listeners would care about? Well, East Meadow is famous for three things. <laughs> Frank Viola, Joel Rifkin, the serial killer, and of course, Chris Angel. <laughs> who actually I graduated the same year as Chris Angel he was in your class he was in my class did you know him you know he's the, the guy who does magic and yeah stuff. yeah did you know Chris Angel did I know him um, I did not know him but I knew who he was and you told me he was kind of like a loser in, in high school right no I never said loser I just said he was like a quiet guy he was like quiet like he wasn't I didn't know him okay so I I, I don't I mean have, loser but I mean like you you had something negative to say about him I thought no Oh, no. No, okay. absolutely not. I just, I, I didn't really know him. So I when you go to him. Vegas, do you ever say, hey, it's Tim? <laughs> uh, you know. I, I've never seen his show, but okay. I, I've heard it's very good. Okay. He actually showed up at, at some of our um, reunions, although I didn't know it. Like, he showed up and then he left. Like, like I, I, somebody said, oh, Chris, Chris Angel was here. <laughs> 
I'm like, wow, he's like magic. He comes in and out. <laughs> <He's> in. <laughs> so what else you got? Uh, anything else you want to close it out with? Are you about to shut down the show? Well, I mean, if you got more, if you could entertain the audience, we'll stay on for another hour. But <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a feeling you're looking at the bottom of your list there. Oh no, I'm still, I'm still at the top. <laughs> Remember the time the fraternity went to Toronto? Yes. And um, we had we had set this whole trip up. We said let's go to Toronto, and our social chair called one of the sororities up there and was like. Hey, we're coming up. You know, we got about 30 guys. We're going to come up from Binghamton. We're going to hang out with you guys. Let's have a mixer. (laughs) And when we get up there, we get up to Toronto and we show up at this girl's house and it's like, you know, 10 at night, 10 o'clock at night. And they're all in their pajamas and they're like, oh, we thought this was a prank. We didn't think you were really coming. (laughs) (laughs) They had no idea that we were for reals. (laughs) reals. What else you got? He's. I love it. He's. He's reading his list. It's all true. Everything's true. No, of course. Um. I don't know. I think that's pretty much it. That's it. <laughs> what? Okay, Tim, come back to me. Yeah, put put your list down. No. <laughs> what do you think of the experience of the podcast? I love the podcast. I'm coming back next week. <laughs> You're sleeping over tonight, right? I might think about it. We have the whole room set up. The futon. Yes. So, so, is there any advice you want to give to me about the podcast, or anything you want to say? How do you want to close out? I give I give you the floor. I just want to tell everybody <clears throat> that I am an amazing athlete. I was the best player on the orphans. I was the best <laughs> in baseball, other than professionals. You know, I mean, you can't compare me to professionals like Babe Ruth, but other than that, I'm the best in baseball. Um. Tennis, I'm pretty good. <laughs> now, when when I say I'm I'm the best and I'm I'm the greatest, I mean I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about me like 25 years ago when I was the best. Now I'm like the worst because I have like rheumatoid arthritis, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> um, and I, I understand that some of the some of the people who might have been on the podcast in the past might say I wasn't that good, but they're wrong. I was the best. I was the best receiver on the team. Everyone knew I was amazing. <laughs> Although, if you ask any of them, they'll say they were the best. You can't believe them. <laughs> That's all I have. That's all you got? <laughs> I think I don't think we can close on anything better than that. Tim, thank you for coming on the show. I mean, this is a real treat. <laughs> goodbye to everybody out there in podcast land. Want to say goodbye? Goodbye.